0: Please turn with me to Luke chapter 7. We are continuing with our series Encounters with Jesus Christ. And again, I just want to remind you, uh, most of you have read the Bible. Many times, Luke is in the New Testament. I have read the Bibles many times, and you have had several messages. Uh, the scriptures that we are going to read. The passage that we are going to read is probably not new to you. And so, in your mind, you do have some understanding probably you do have a theological position in some of these issues. What I invite you to do as we approach God's word, as we look and listen to it, is to do so with an open mind and an open heart. If you believe that God's word is alive and active, then you must also believe that it continues to speak even today. And at times how you heard it yesterday is not the same time you're going to hear it today. And just to let you know, uh, next Sunday, we will be from next Sunday until the 24th, which will be the Christmas Eve, we are going to now focus on this season of Christmas. So, so next Sunday, we are going to, our message will be the forgotten message of Christmas, which will be focusing on Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. We are going to focus on Joseph and how he responds to all of this. And then the following Sunday, which will be uh, 12 19th, 19, right? We'll do part two of the same message, the forgotten message of Christmas, and uh, we'll be focusing on how we need to respond to the world because of what God has done into the world. And then on 24th, on the 24th, we will have a Christmas Eve service from 5. You you will be home by 6. 6.30, you will be going home to be with your family and enjoy your time with them. We will meet here at 5. We are going to have an act called... Wise men and women still seek him. It's going to be wonderful. You want to bring your whole family with you that day. You want to bring your neighborhood uh, to come and, and have this experience and hear God's message and hear the gospel and be exposed to Jesus Christ. Wise men and wise women still seek him. I just wanted to bring that to your attention so that you may not forget. I want to appreciate the men that turned up yesterday for men's breakfast. We had a good time. For those of you who didn't turn up, I don't know what to say. Uh, I really don't know what to say, apart from... Uh, saying that it's not encouraging in any way, Uh, especially if you could and you didn't. So next time, please uh, try to... Your presence is an encouragement to other men. And I'll... This coming Saturday, we are joining Bedford Road Baptist Church. We actually had more men from Bedford Road Baptist Church yesterday than we had from Southside Bible Fellowship. And we were hosting it. So, this is where your love for me is challenged. As a man, when we have something for men, we expect you to show up. I know in America we have freedom to do what we want, and that's okay. I think with God we have the freedom to do what is right. And, uh, we expect you to show up to be an encouragement to to other men uh, also. So thank you for those who showed up. I know the Joy Ministry also uh, had uh, their dinner on Friday, which was well attended. Again, there are some that were expected to be there, but they didn't show up, too, which, again, I don't know. Exactly. Why? Maybe you have a reason, or maybe it's just a matter of priorities. Because some of us, we claim to put God first, but He's nowhere, actually. Uh, And you all know that I'm against the idea of putting God first. Because when you do that, you are reducing God into a list, into an item in your busy list. He has to be. Overall, everything has to flow from him. That means he becomes the priority. The temptation is to make other things and other people a priority. God has to be a priority. And, and it is my prayer that we will get there someday. If you are joining us for the first time, Here at uh, Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word and that each one of us who believes in Jesus Christ is a child of God, say it with me, the Bible is God's word. Let us say it again. The Bible is God's word for my life, for us, for our life. Father, we come before you and we thank you again this morning for your faithfulness and for moments like this that you give us, you privilege us to come together so that we can worship you, so that, Lord, we can pour our hearts to you, so that we can inspire one another for your sake. We come to you, Lord, knowing that we are broken and we are in need of healing in many areas of our lives. We come to you because we know that you love us and that you mean well and that you have a wonderful plan for each one of us to glorify you here on earth and to worship you forever after. Therefore, Father, we pray as we look unto your word that your Holy Spirit may speak to us and open our eyes and soften our hearts so that we may accept your word and submit to it and so that through it we may bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 7 from verse 36, Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's house. Simon has invited Jesus probably because he was a rabbi and uh, he had spoken in a synagogue and Simon decided, well, we can have dinner at my place. And Jesus, knowing that Simon is a Pharisee, he accepts the invitation and he joins him for dinner. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined and reclined at the table. The tables were not like the normal tables we have today, they were very low because people would sit on mats and therefore to be comfortable, you would recline on one side Uh, and and they they would recline around the table. And, And this would be a dinner, but also a theological conversation going on because you have You have a rabbi and you have Pharisees. And then there will be people outside listening to the conversations. So Jesus is at Simon's house. They are having dinner. And we are told a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house. A woman in that town who was known for her sinful lifestyle, probably a prostitute. She was looked down upon. She was an outcast. Her only reputation was being a sinful woman. She heard that Jesus was in that house. Probably she had heard of Jesus, but this time she wanted to get closer to him. And therefore, when she heard that Jesus was in the Pharisees' house, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, an expensive perfume. Maybe she wanted to give it to Jesus as a gift. To show her gratitude. But she came and stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. She is crying, she is shedding tears. Jesus is Concentrating with the conversation and the food before him, this woman comes behind her. She is weeping and shedding tears, and she is shedding her tears on Jesus' feet. And everyone is looking at her. People that know her dislike her. And probably she gets ashamed and she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. An act that was unwelcome in that society. Because for a woman to let her hair loose like that would be the same with a woman going topless today. So to the righteous man sitting with Jesus, that act was disgraceful. Jesus, however, doesn't seem to be bothered. This woman wipes his feet with her hair, and then she realizes it's not working, so she pours her perfume and anoints his feet. With her perfume, her expensive perfume. Simon the host is disgusted. He is unhappy. The woman also kisses Jesus' feet. Everything she's doing is unpleasant to the onlookers. When the Pharisees, in verse 39, who had invited Jesus saw this, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to to himself, he's thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. Simon is saying to, us, to himself, if Jesus knew who this is, if he was a prophet, so he is actually saying he can't be a prophet. Because in his mind, he has uh, a description of how a prophet should be and how he needs to respond in such Circumstances in such situations in such circumstances. Simon thinks that Jesus should kick this woman out. See, Simon has invited Jesus to his house, but not to his life. And Jesus, knowing what Simon is thinking, he said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. I think you need to learn something here. This is something good that comes from God's word, where at times, it rebukes us and corrects us. This is what Jesus is doing here. Simon, I have something that I need to tell you. There's a lesson that I have for you. And Simon says, Tell me, teacher. Tell me, rabbi. I'm willing to hear you. And Jesus gives him a short parable. He says, Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. He forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Which among them would be more grateful? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. And then Jesus turns to the woman to apply the lesson from the parable. And he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house... You did not give me any water for my feet. It was traditional that guests would be given water to wash their feet off the dust. Jesus was not offered that water. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss again this was a traditional way of greeting and welcoming people Simon refused to do it to Jesus But this woman from time from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet You did not put oil on my head My head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Jesus is telling Simon there's something different here. You invited me, I accepted your invitation, but you really did not receive me. This woman has received me. She has done everything that you being the host was supposed to do. And yet you have the audacity to look at her as a sinner. You have the audacity to expect me to turn her away. He says, therefore I tell you, how many sins have been forgiven. So Jesus acknowledges that yes, she is a sinful woman. But from the parable he also acknowledges that Simon is also a sinner. Because a sinner is a debtor. We all have debts before God. Some of us our debts are bigger than others. Do you know why? Because some of us used our opportunities more than others. We all were born with the want to do wrong, the sinful nature. All of us were born with the potential to sin. We all have that potential. The difference is some of us used our potential more than others. All of us here are capable of killing. We have that potential. It's only that we may not have utilized it. So when you see it that way, you will not look down upon another person just because they are utilizing the potential that they have. This is what Simon is doing here. Simon, being a Pharisee, he sees himself as a righteous person and he looks at this woman because of her lifestyle as a very sinful person who shouldn't be anywhere near Jesus Christ. Jesus looks at Simon and he says, you are a sinner just as she is a sinner. The only difference is she has found." forgiveness. And you are failing to understand that. Her sins, her many sins have been forgiven. Do, do you remember the song that uh, we sing here at times? It says, our sins they are many, his mercy is more. And Jesus continues to say as her great love has shown. This is very important because Jesus is saying here that the love that this woman is showing for me is as a result of the forgiveness of sins that she has received. She has not been forgiven because of her love. She is showing, demonstrating her love because she has been forgiven. Her actions reveal her faith in Jesus Christ. Her actions here are a testimony of a sinner who has experienced the joy of forgiveness. She cannot get enough of Jesus. She came close to him and she was overwhelmed with tears because of what has happened to her life. Her actions are as a result of the forgiveness. That she has received. This woman has been forgiven. Not because of her love. But through her faith. In Jesus Christ. So we can simply say that. uh, Her love is a testimony. Of her faith. And forgiveness. Jesus says. Whoever has been forgiven little. Loves little. And then in verse 48, he turns to the woman and he tells her, your sins are forgiven. He's he's confirming to her, your sins are forgiven. He is assuring her. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? You know, the ability to forgive sins only belonged to God. Only God has the power to forgive sins. And so when Jesus declares someone forgiven... He is actually acting like God. He is taking the place of his father. And this is something that religious leaders and the Pharisees struggled to understand. This is one of the reasons Jesus was accused of blasphemy. Because he was claiming to be God. And Jesus turned to the woman again and said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now you read the book of Luke and you will see several places where Jesus says, your faith has saved you. When the the woman who had an issue of blood touched Jesus' clothes and Jesus turned to him, he said the same thing. He told her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The ten lepers in Luke, I think, chapter 17, when they were healed, Jesus told them, your faith has healed you. Uh, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, I think it's in chapter 8, chapter 17, too, when he was healed, Jesus told him, your faith has healed you. So every time in Luke, he, he says this, He's not the, the confusion here can be that the reason they were healed is because of their faith. But that's not what Luke is saying here. He's saying that the, what God does in our lives and what we believe about God works together. Do you know that even when we come to pray, we are actually supposed to ask what God has for us? And if we pray in faith, then we are praying, believing that God will do what he wants to do. Because faith brings us to submission. Faith does not make God submit to us. It makes us submit to God. There are a few things here that we learn about Jesus. One, we learn that Jesus knows our thoughts. It's a very scary lesson that he knows our thoughts. He knows everything that we are thinking about. He knew what Simon was thinking about when he was saying to himself, if this man was a prophet, uh, he would have known that this woman is a sinner. He knows our thoughts, our sinful thoughts, and our good thoughts. He knows them. Number two, Jesus welcomes everyone regardless of their background He's been invited by a Pharisee and he receives that invitation There's a woman here who is a sinner an outcast an opposite to the Pharisee and Jesus receives her Whether you consider yourself rich or poor, Jesus is open into receiving you. Whether you see yourselves as unworthy, Jesus is still willing to receive you. Because what matters to Jesus is not really who you think you are or who you are or where you are coming from, but what matters is what he can do in your life. He receives us the way we are and then he begins to make us what he wants us to become. That's where you should have said amen. He receives us the way we are and then he begins to make us what he wants us to become. That's why Every Christian, every believer has to be willing to love any other person. Any other person who may not look like them, think like them, believe like them, or even walk like them. And that is one of the struggles that Christians have today. We claim that we love God, we love Jesus who loves everyone, and yet we are not able to allow that love to overflow to others. We are the first ones to point fingers at others. In fact, if you really want people to talk about you, go to church. If you want people to discourage you, the best place that can happen is at church. If you want people to make you feel bad about yourself, go to church. Christians are famous for shooting the wounded, and that's sad. And we have so many Christians who have been hurt in churches by other Christians. Instead of having a reputation of being people who provide healing and encouragement, we have given ourselves a reputation that doesn't really fit us, that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. The wounded, the rejected, the despised would go to Jesus and they would find hope and peace and healing. And that needs to happen to us today. That's why it's my desire, it is my hope that Southside Bible Fellowship becomes a place where those who feel displaced, displaced will find a place. That's good. that we will become a home church for the homeless. that we will be a place. Where people will come and they will find healing. Why? Because we have allowed Jesus to be the center of our lives. We have allowed him to be everything. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. And this is what Simon is missing here. Jesus welcomes everyone regardless of their background. Number three. Jesus has the power to forgive sins, something only God can do. doesn't matter where you are coming from. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Jesus is willing to forgive you. I know people that are still guilty of something they did many years ago. I have said here before, your struggle to accept God's forgiveness in your life, is everything okay there? Your struggle to accept God's, God's forgiveness in your life is your struggle to believe God that he has forgiven you. It's a struggle of faith. When you're struggling to accept, let me explain that. When you're struggling to accept that God has forgiven you, you are actually struggling to believe that he has forgiven you. It comes back to what you believe about God. It is a struggle of trust. And sometimes you just need to turn your struggle into a prayer. Just tell God, help me to believe this. You may know about it, but believing comes from conviction. And at times we need to turn our struggle into a prayer. Jesus has power to forgive. So what does this tell us? I think this is the message that Luke is telling us. Our testimony of Jesus reflects our experience with Jesus. Our testimony of Jesus reflects our experience with Jesus. What we experience with Jesus is what we testify. Let me unpack that. Like this woman, Jesus says, her sins have been forgiven just as her love shows. What you do as a Christian, what you claim to do for Jesus as a Christian, is a reflection of what you have experienced with Jesus Christ. Our life is a testimony. Our service is a testimony. Our worship is a testimony. And we are doing all this, not so that we may gain favor from God, but because we have favor from God. We are doing all this, not so that we may be forgiven, but because we have been forgiven. You don't understand that. You would be standing up and jumping and shouting if you understood that. (laughs) (laughs) He who is forgiven more will love more. He who is forgiven little will love little, Jesus is saying. But the common thing is, they will both love. They will both show their gratefulness. This tells us that what we do for Jesus is a reflection of what Jesus has done for us. Our services are a response of what God has done in our lives. And when you realize that you you have been broken, that you've been a sinner, that you are supposed to be rejected, turned away, kicked away, that you don't deserve his mercy or even his grace, and then you realize that he has accepted you, he has forgiven you, he has brought you to his family, You can't remain the same. You you can't just be the same person. Something in you has to change. When you realize that God has accepted you, you're not going to reject others. Christians that reject others have a problem of understanding their own acceptance with God. If you are struggling to love others, it is because you don't understand the love of God for you. That's why I said, if we truly preached God's word, and if we truly believed and accepted, we would not need to talk about racism in our churches. There'll be no need for that. There'll be no need uh, for talking about social justice. Because everything will be social and there will be justice. The reason these things are being talked about, the reasons our fingers are being pointed at churches is because we have forgotten our mission. If you are a believer, you have every reason to reflect what Jesus has done in your life. And you do that in your service. You do that in your relationships with one another. You do that in your worship. You do that in your giving. Your life becomes a testimony because of the experience that you have with Jesus Christ. He becomes the priority. He becomes everything in your life. You know, I think if Jesus came here today there would still be some of us who would reject him. You know a story of of D.L. Moody when he was raising money for orphans and he went to this wealthy church and He went with some of the orphans who were dirty, and they sat at the back. And uh, after the service, the elders of the church came to him and asked him why he came to that church. And Moody said, I prayed about it, and God told me, go to this church. That's why I'm here. And they told him to go back and pray again. And make sure that that's what God is saying. And therefore Moody went back and he prayed. And he came back the following Sunday. And after the worship service, the elders called him up again and asked him, Okay, did you pray? He said, Oh, yeah, I prayed. And what did God say? And Moody said, Well, he told me not to worry. Because he himself has been trying to come to this church. And it's not been received. It's so easy, it's so easy to focus on other things while thinking that we are focusing on Jesus. This is what is happening to Simon. When you realize that your testimony reflects the experience that you have and you've had with jesus two things will happen one our assumptions about jesus are going to influence our perception of people regardless of their lifestyles now the assumptions Will be right assumptions or wrong assumptions. As far as Simon is concerned, he had wrong assumptions about Jesus. If this man was a prophet, and that influenced how he saw the woman. If you are going to know Jesus, you are going to have right assumptions about him. And every time you encounter people, you will be influenced by that understanding of Jesus on how you treat others, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of where they come from. Your knowledge of Jesus makes a huge difference. Number two, you will realize that what the Lord says about you is more important than what people say or think about you. Jesus says to Simon, you see this woman, the one that you're calling a sinner, this woman, she has shown love to me. Her sins have been forgiven. He's saying to Simon, this woman is my daughter. He belongs to my father's family. I came because of her. Her life is transformed. And that's what matters. See, I said here that people who know you People who know you know things about you, and there are things that they say about you. But that should not matter, because what matters is what the Lord says about you. When he says that you are forgiven, when he says that you are his son and his daughter, when he says that you belong to his family, that's what you should be listening to, because that's what is going to influence your life. The problem is we want to hear what others are saying about us. And it gets over our heads. Some of us were told by our parents that we would not amount to anything. That we were losers. And that's still affecting us today. And yet you have God for your father who says you can do all things through Christ. You have God for a father who says I have loved you with an everlasting love. You are my daughter. You are my son. That's the voice that you need to hear. Some of us will spend money going to counselors, yet we have the wonderful counselor, and we are not willing to listen to him. And you'll go to a counselor who will begin from the day you are born looking for everything that can be found there to link with what is happening in your life today and you come to Christ you look at second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 and he says behold if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old is gone the new has come and you don't want to believe that because you are living In the past, you have not allowed Jesus to be the center of your life. You have not allowed Jesus to influence your thinking so that he can influence your behavior and your lifestyle. And you think that someone else will do that. What matters is what God says about you. And you need to know that. Forget about looking at the mirror and telling yourself nice things. (laughs) You don't believe yourself. If you believed yourself, you wouldn't need a mirror. Listen to what God is saying about you let me read you Psalm 103 from verse 8 to 13 and I'll be done here it says the lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in love he will not always accuse or harbor his anger forever he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities the Bible tells us that God loves us. He loves each one of us. He does. But you will never experience the impact and the power of his love until you submit to that. And that's the difference between a Christian and someone who is not a Christian. God loves you both. But the one who has submitted to him has experienced and continues to experience the power and the impact of his love. The one who has submitted to that love experiences forgiveness experiences salvation, experiences peace and joy, and is growing in that relationship. The one who has not submitted is yet to experience that even though he or she is still loved. Before I got married, I loved my wife. And uh, the times that we spent together gave her an opportunity to see glimpses of my love for her. But for her to experience the impact, the full extent of my love for her, she had to submit. She had to say, I do. And the day that she said, I do, I was let loose. That's the day that she began to experience the full extent of my love. And of course, the same happened for me. It's the day that you turn to Jesus Christ the day that you submit to him, the day that you realize that you are broken and you are in need of his healing, his fixing, that you begin to experience the impact and the power of his love. So while we say God loves each one of us, it is true, but there's a difference. Because some of us have experienced the power of his love. Those who have believed in Jesus Christ and those who have not are yet to experience that power. And for those of us that have experienced that power, those of us that have experienced his forgiveness, his salvation, we have every reason Every reason to allow that love to overflow to others. You have every reason to be the Christ that someone else can see. You are a child of God. Christ lives in you. You have access to his power, to his joy, to his peace. You may still have some struggles. You are are not a finished product. None of us is. But as we experience our healing, God also also uses us to heal others. But we need to realize, we need to realize this is what he's doing in our lives. And like this woman, it won't matter what other people will say or think. What will matter is what Jesus has done in our lives and what we are doing for his sake. And if you are here and Jesus is not your savior, you have an opportunity to experience the impact, the power of his love. If you choose to submit to him today, realizing that you are broken, you are sinful, you cannot fix yourself, you have tried and failed many times, and turning to him and just asking him to forgive you and to save you, he is faithful and he will do it. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for your people. Thank you for all that is before us that needs to be done today. Pray that you may lead us, that you may guide us, that you may use us, and that, Lord, this truth may continue to to be clear to our lives and enable us, Father, to reflect it, that we may continue to be children of the light and glorify you. You know each one of us, you know where we are coming from, you know our struggles, you know our cries, you know our fears. Lord, use us and help us so that we may become more like you, in Jesus' name, amen.